Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To begin, we start with the end. Jesus said, after hearing the man say, Lord, I believed, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And the Pharisees responded to him, Are we also blind? To which Jesus responded, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Jesus gets to the very heart of the problem that existed with the Pharisees. They had twisted God's word and were not open to learning. They were no longer students of the word of God, for they were the word's masters. They had compiled their own teachings. They knew everything around the word of God, and they knew exactly what Jesus was doing. He was breaking the word of God. He was healing on the Sabbath day. He was a sinner. Now, we know such things are not true. But they claim to be the seers. They claim to know the very word of God and its truth. And yet Jesus tells them that they neither know the scriptures nor the power therein. They claim to be the students of Moses. But Jesus says that they only sit in the seats of Moses. They did not see the truth in the word of God. They did not understand it because they had no humility and they would not receive it in faith. They would not be taught by Christ. They were not excited, not rejoicing in any of the miracles that Jesus did. This whole entire ordeal over a man that has been restored to to seeing You would have thought it would be something that you could hear and rejoice in immediately. But they make it a conflict. They're so frustrated with this man that they keep drawing drawing, um, him back to, to the place where they can talk to him and say, How was it done again? Tell me again. When was it done? Is it was on the Sabbath day? Who was it? We want to find him. That man is a sinner. They did not care to rejoice in the miracle. They didn't get it. They were blind. And Jesus says, because they say that they see, that their guilt remains. They stand among those who are condemned to die in eternal death. They are those whose guilt remains, though Christ had forgiven all things in his death. Because they did not receive the Savior Savior in his coming, their guilt remained. That's damning. That's, That's what's at stake here. But it's not that complicated. I mean, this man who was a beggar, he wasn't deaf, he was just blind. He couldn't really do a whole lot without being able to see in that time. But this man, as simple as he is, did not let the days go by where he did not hear and listen to the scriptures. He was known by those in the synagogue. His parents were known 
And he got it. Better than all of the teachers, better than the masters of the word of God, he understood what they could not see. And he says it to them. He said, ah, what an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Now they wanted to write off those words that that man just said. They were quick to write them off. He said, you were born in utter sin. You can't teach us. Has that ever come across in your life? Or someone has said, you sin, you've done that before, you can't teach me. You can't share with me the word of God because you're imperfect. I know it's come across in my life. If I'm not perfect, I can't teach. I know that in my office, I have something different. I have to be above reproach. Or else this office is taken away from me. In your everyday life, though, you are a Christian through and through, or you should be, to where you are are fearless before the world. You confess like the psalmist in 56. What can man do to me? Whenever I am afraid, I put my trust in God. For what can man do to me? We should be as the Christians in our life that are bold and fearless and courageous. This man did not stop. He wasn't afraid to stand before those who were thought to have the greatest of authority and question them. He was willing to speak that truth because it was not his truth. It was the truth of the scriptures. He understood what they could not see. Never in the Old Testament, go and search it. Never in the Old Testament recorded for us is there ever somebody healed of their sight. This sign, this miracle, was reserved for Jesus. It pointed to him being the Messiah, the one sent by God to speak the word of God. And that simple man, who could never have read a word of the scriptures on the scrolls in the synagogues ever, did not let those words depart from his ears, having heard them. He would have been the one that remembered Isaiah 61, that you just heard this past Sunday, where it says that the one who is to come shall open the eyes of the blind. He remembered that. And he put it together in his mind that they had never done that before. No prophet had ever come and done done such an amazing sign. And yet this Jesus, he did it. I don't know how. He anointed my eyes. I washed. I see. He didn't try to explain it. He didn't try and go beyond what happened. He said, this is what happened. This is who did it. And I believe that he is from God. You call him a sinner. You call me a sinner. But this is the truth. This is what happened. This is what I believe. 
Now you think that this should be a a time of rejoicing, but it just wasn't. This man was persecuted for this. He was hated for this. Not even his parents were willing to step forward and defend him. In another word, they threw him under the bus. They were not themselves willing to be kicked out of the synagogue for trusting the word of their own son. They said, speak to him. Let him tell you what had happened. Are there children in our lives right now that are experiencing that same thing? They want to come to church. They enjoy hearing the word of God. And yet when they go home, they face parents who are cowards, who are unbelievers, who will not confess Jesus before the world. And it is their children who do a better job of confessing Christ than they do. You don't have to look hard. You can find that. Children being hungry for the word of God and parents starving them. It's frustrating. But it's not uncommon. Not even in Jesus' day was it uncommon. But we have a duty and an obligation as Christians to nourish them. To do what we can. We can't take them from their homes. But if every opportunity we got, we were fearless. And we made the opportunities to speak to them the word of God. Share with them the truth. So what if their parents hated us for it. We can be charitable, we can be kind and compassionate in doing it, but so what if we are hated by this world for sharing the gospel? What can they do to us? When everybody had abandoned this man, who did not abandon him? It was Christ. Christ stood by him. Better than that, Christ found him out when he had been cast away from all those who were supposed to care for him. Christ found him when he was alone. When he had just been ridiculed and persecuted, Christ said to him, do you believe in the Son of God, Son of Man? And that man said, show him to me. I I want to. I believe. what, What have you done but show me that I have every reason to believe in this man. If it has come from you, you are a man of God. You are not a sinner. You have given me the greatest sign, fulfilling the prophecies. Show me where this man is and I will worship him. To which Jesus said, it's me. And without hesitation, that man fell down on his face, and worshipped Jesus in that place. His eyes, which had only beheld darkness, now gazed upon the light of life, the light of the world. And that was to him worth it. It was the joy that nobody could take away from him. It was the very thing that cast out all fear when he stood before those Pharisees, before those Jews, even before his own parents, that he had been with Christ. 
the one who is sent from God, that put out all fear. John chapter 3, verse 27 says this. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. The words of Jesus. This man did not receive just anything. He received faith. It was not a work of his own. He did not conjure it up in his heart, but he had received faith from God. And that faith opened his eyes. Not just his physical eyes, but he now sees clearly what others could not perceive. That Christ was in this world to bring consolation and hope to a fallen human race. That Christ was in this world to redeem him, to restore, to fulfill the prophecy like we heard from Isaiah 61. That man is an example to us of the faith. If we know that Christ has redeemed us, has bought us back, atoned for all of our sins, conquered our greatest of enemies... Why are we still so fearful? We must pray to God to cast out fear. To be like Hezekiah. To receive a letter from a king who says, Do not let your God deceive you. Look, I've destroyed everybody and everything and I'm coming for you next. To be like Hezekiah. And to take that letter, those words that you hear from people resounding in your ear, that your God is nothing, that he will not come to your defense, that he will not find you when you are standing alone and cast out from all places. You need to be like Hezekiah and unfold those things before the Lord. And trust. Trust that God will not let you be put to shame for trusting in his name. Trust that God shall conquer. That he will return to all of them what they have poured out upon you. Should they not repent, turn from their sins, they will have the guilt of their sins remain upon them. But you, you are set free. You have the eyes of faith to see that. So that despite the troubling storms that are swirling around you in your head and in your world and in your life, you can see through them to the calm, wonderful life that God is going to provide you, that he's bringing you into. You can see clearly and you can trust in the Lord in whom you put your praise and your worship that he shall accomplish all of these things. For he is the true God who has made heaven and earth and who even to this day sustains all things. So do not be afraid. Be confident in the faith. Do not let numbers scare you. That's the last thing I will say. This church has let numbers scare them for a long time. 
The LCMS is not a big denomination in the grand scheme of the world. We are insignificant compared to Roman Catholics. Insignificant compared to the Presbyterians. But you don't have to be fearful because of numbers. You are here not because of numbers, but because you stand on the word of truth. That was one man against the Jews, against the Pharisees who opposed him. I'm not just talking about Jesus. I'm talking about this blind man. But he stood fast, holding fast in the truth. And so I commend that to you now. Do not depart because of numbers. Stay where the truth is and watch God find you and comfort you when you are weary and when you feel like there is no one there to care for you. God shall comfort you. You will not be left alone. His angels will guard you and watch over you. It is the Lord who has made this promise and he will fulfill it. So again, be courageous. Be bold, be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit and trust in God above all things. And let not man unnerve you for he can do nothing for your Savior has your life always in his hands. And in Jesus' name we say, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.